This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Big news day for the Bucks in free agency. They make a signing of a player that wasn't currently on their football team, the first one of the offseason so far. Actually, didn't sign him. He agreed to terms. Russell Gage, the wide receiver of the Atlanta Falcons, a guy that has played very well against them, played exceptionally well the last half of 2021. He he joins the Bucks. Um, this is a, a good, really good pickup for a, a team that is, uh, and this might sound strange, but thin at receiver because we remember what happened a year ago. Mike Evans going into his ninth season. Chris Godwin franchised for the moment and coming off an ACL and an MCL, not quite ready to perform, may not be ready even for the start of the regular season. We don't know. So you get a guy like Gage, who is sort of an ascending player. Um, you know, he's he's not the biggest guy, six foot, 184 pounds, good speed, another LSU guy, drafted in 2018. And, you know, he's he's been really good, and he's been good against the Bucs. Um, in the games that he's played against Tampa Bay, he has 48 catches for 484 yards and two touchdowns. It was interesting, uh, Steve. I was watching a uh, mic'd up segment uh, that was out there, and it was the game that Chris Godwin was mic'd up, if you recall, his best game of his career and a record-breaking game at that. It was last December at Atlanta, and the Bucks won, I think, 31-17, and that was the game that Godwin set the franchise record with 15 catches for like mm-hmm. 147 yards. And after the game, um, you know, God, Godwin is walking around, you know, congratulating guys on the other team, you know, sort of a sort of a handshake deal. And, and, and Gage comes up to Godwin and says something to the effect of, hey, man, I was just telling Mike Evans, you and Mike inspire me, bro. Been watching you all. So I thought, well, that's really interesting because even before he became a Buccaneer, he, he liked the play of those two receivers and now – He's going to join them and see him up close and personal. So I think it's – and really, if you look at the Bucks receiver position, I mean, they need help. And even though last year, you know, with Godwin going down, of course, they got some help in some big games with Cyril Grayson, who came up from the practice squad, did some nice things, won the game against the Jets with a touchdown catch. Rashard Perriman, who's a free agent again, did some nice things, won the Buffalo Bills game with a touchdown catch in overtime. Um, but really, they didn't get anything out of Tyler Johnson, who's been kind of a disappointment. He was going to be that guy that was going to sort of play that role behind Chris Godwin in the slot. Turned out not to be a, a great blocker uh, to begin with and and did not catch the ball very well a year ago. Scotty Miller disappeared. He was off the radar screen. Um, for whatever reason, he suddenly didn't fit into this offense. I think a lot of it had to do with Antonio Brown until Brown got hurt, and then after that, they decided to go with Brashard Perriman, who was a bigger body uh, and a and a uh, another downfield threat, another fast guy. So we'll see if Miller and you know those guys, Tyler Johnson, can fit back into this offense. But in the meantime, if you're handicapping the Bucks, their their top three receivers now are pretty set: Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and now Russell Gage. So that was interesting. But not everything is going the Bucks' way, and I thought. 
This was one, and look, you you know, you only have so much money. You got to make choices when you have you know some two dozen players that are becoming free agents. Um, but the Bucks lost Jordan Whitehead in free agency to the New York Jets. And I like what the Jets are doing. They're signing some real character guys in addition to good football players. But Jordan Whitehead, to me, and, and we'll see what he does up there in the AFC East, but to me he is an ascending star. Um, not the biggest guy in the world, but can can play in the box, a box safety. Has pretty good coverage still, skills, good hands. When he has a chance to catch the football, he usually does it. And I really thought that, you know, on a, on a team in a secondary that was beat up pretty much all year, uh, including him for a little while, he, he, was, he was one of their emerging players. I mean, in the run game, he was just a force. And we know the Bucks have been, you know, tops against the run for about three years now. Um, they're going to miss him. And they, they do have some safeties on this football team, but it's now a thin position because, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr. is a really, really good player. But by the same token... Um, you know, Mike Edwards, who can come in and and play the safety position, is more of a ball hawk. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You need those guys. Um, but th- they've lost some physicality now in the back end. You know, uh, Winfield Jr. is a smallish guy. Edwards not a big hitter. So they probably or most definitely are in the market for at least another safety. And, I, you know, I don't think – they have the money for this guy, but one guy that's a free agent is Tyron Matthew. And how would Tyron Matthew look in a Bucks uniform, former Cardinal that Bruce Arians drafted? So that's uh, that's going to be something to watch to see how they fill the safety position. Maybe they do it in the draft. Maybe they do it someplace else. But they need depth there. Yeah, because the Chiefs signed another safety today. So or they did. Yeah. Came to terms with. So came Tyron Matthew will be looking for a new home. Yeah, he's definitely uh, probably not returning to Kansas City. So. And again, you know, he, he's, a, he's a big ticket item, and the Bucks don't have much, to say the least, they don't have much cap space. Um, they're actually over the cap. They've got to get, get in compliance by Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Today at 4 o'clock is when everybody has to be in the 208-point-something million-dollar, um, you know, salary cap. But, uh, you know, signing a veteran, especially with those two youngish guys back there right now, I think would be a good idea. And I don't know if, if Mike Edwards is going to get the chance to take over from Jordan Whitehead, we know Anton Winfield Jr. is not going anywhere. He's going to be starting and playing. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a loss. It's a big one. And but Gage, you know, is going to help their offense. And uh, I think that was a really good, smart, smart pickup. You know, productive guy, uh, guy with a lot more football in front of him. The last eight games, fifty catches for six hundred and eleven yards and three scores. The second half of the season, that's really really good. So if he can contain, continue that, and, and if he is inspired by Godwin and Evans, he'll get to watch them in practice every day. So that's what's going on with that. Um, check out a story I did in TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Times. You'll see a version of it on Sunday as well. I was talking to Clyde Christensen, who then later went on the Pat McAfee show. I talked to Clyde, I guess, on Monday. He was on Pat McAfee on Tuesday. Repeated some of the same things, but I wrote a story about uh, how – you know, in his in his opinion, he he found you know he got a call from Brady the morning that the announcement um, came out. I think, or maybe the morning after. I'm not sure. Right in there, about two days, uh, two days would have been two days ago yesterday. So, I think that was Sunday. But he said, you know, the thing about Tom when he called, he said it sounded as if it sounded as if that it was the day after the Rams game. 
He goes, you know, you talk to the guy and he's got this. I want to do this, this, and this, and here are the solutions, and here's how we can fix this, this, and this. And he goes, it was almost as if he never retired. And I got to thinking about that. It's a really interesting sort of perspective, you know, that, you know, Brady is someone who has, you know, mentally, whether it's after games and after seasons, we remember the story of Clyde telling that the day after the Super Bowl, he woke him up. Uh, everybody had been out late, and he got a call from from Brady the day after the Super Bowl, and he was sort of the same way. He was talking about how much better they can be, and they just scratched the surface and so on and so forth, had a lot of ideas, and it wasn't even 24 hours after they had won the game. Um, but he said, yeah, he said he had a list. He said, here's how we can get better. He said he thinks he had been out of retirement for about 12 hours or so by then. And he said um, the first thing he said was that he didn't want to go out that way. He wanted to make sure – um, that they do everything they can to win win it all next year. So I thought that was pretty interesting, uh, kind of interesting perspective from the quarterbacks coach who, uh, you know, who who talked to Brady shortly after he unretired. Um, and you know, I asked him, I asked Clyde, I go, you know, do you think, do you think there was, you know, a tipping point or anything that would have driven him sort of back into the game after only being gone, you know, for like, for like 40 days. And he basically said, you know, I I just think that he's just a football player. Like he he says, I don't think he could picture himself not playing football. You know, that's what he does. And he goes, and he's at the top of his game. I mean, the bottom line is this guy played as well as any quarterback could have been the MVP, probably should have been the MVP depending on who you talk to, but, you know, 5,300 and what, 16, 17 yards in, 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 you know, 43 touchdowns. I mean, he knows how much football he has left and it's very difficult to not play when you know you're still a really good player and he still has that desire to win. I mean, he wants to do everything he can to win and, and they've got to do some things. They've got to run the ball better. Uh, they got to call more runs. They, they have to get better at the receiver position, which I think they did, you know, on uh, Tuesday. Um, but really interesting uh, conversation with Clyde that he had with Tom, and you can check that out on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. All right, we do have your uh, your mailbag questions, and so we'll get right to them. All right, we're going to start with my favorite one. I don't know if it was really a question. It was more of a comment back to you, but it's from Bucks Failed Jameis. He says, LMFAO, Rick, you are paid to market the positive. It was obvious Tom Brady wanted out of Tampa but couldn't get out due to his contract. Tom Brady's a professional scam artist. Hmm. Sure sounded like it after that conversation with Clyde Christensen, doesn't it? Well, let's take this in layers. Um, what's the first sentence? I am I am a what? Paid to market the positive. Paid paid to market the positive. So let's let's talk about who pays me. Okay, first of all. Um if I were paid by the Buccaneers, if my checks said National Football League on them or Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you bet I would market the positive because that's what they want to do. Um, unfortunately for me, perhaps, or maybe fortunately, depending on what they pay over there, I don't know. My checks are not part of the Buccaneers at all. It's actually the the Times Publishing Company. So that means that I'm really not interested in, in accentuating the positive or the negative. I just accentuate what is newsworthy. And then the second, before we get to Brady, let me just buttress that by saying, 
I don't know if you read anything about Antonio Brown a year ago, but I seem to remember some story. There was something yeah. going on with him. Yeah, there was there was kind of this this thing about um, you know fake vaccination cards that were required. Actual vaccination cards were required by the league to play. He he and two other, or actually three other teammates, one that was no longer on the team, went and got the same vaccination card that said the same county on the same day and said they weren't together. And the league checked into it and, and determined that they were all lying. And they, they got three games. Mike Edwards was one of them. Um, and obviously Antonio Brown. When I brought that story to the Bucks, they were less than thrilled. Now, nobody accused them specifically of doing anything wrong, they, but they were responsible for verifying these cards, which is hard to do even for the league uh, with HIPAA and all those things. But regardless, for about 15 days, including the statement that the Bucks put out, um, they were convinced that I was just full of it. I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, the story, the old man is wrong. You know, that's kind of their attitude. And then the league, 15 days after the story came out, yeah, they had the goods. Uh, I thought I had receipts as well. But they suspended those three guys. And then, you know, it wasn't the best of receptions that I got over there at uh, One Buck Place or One Buck Palace or whatever we want to call it, the uh, Advent Health Care Center. I, I wasn't really embraced to the warm bosom of some of the some of the people over there. Not Bruce Arians, who was fine. Bruce Arians, you know, is a pro. He understood it. He was mad at Antonio Brown, which is where the anger probably should have been placed. We also saw what happened to Antonio Brown. Oh, I wrote a few of those stories as well. And what happened to Antonio Brown ultimately? Yeah, he got kicked off the team. Okay, so if you if you kind of rewind that whole paid to do the positive. Nothing I did there was really in the Bucks, you know, positive zone, if you will. Uh, it sort of spiraled downward, um, and so there's that. But aside from aside from my uh, uh, integrity that you're questioning, um, as far as as far as Brady goes, I mean, I've heard some conspiracy theories, right? I really have. Brady Brady's gonna want to go to the, he's want to come back, but he wants to come back with the 49ers. He has a fractured relationship with Bruce Arians. What's this guy's conspiracy theory about Brady? Was the last part of that? He really wanted to go to get out of Tampa but couldn't because of his contract, that he's a scam artist. Scam artist. Interesting. Well, if he really wanted to get out of his contract, and I know what Bruce said at the Combine about how, no, we wouldn't do it, it's bad business, all that. He had the ear and, and the eyeballs of the Glazer family when he was in Manchester, uh, watching Manchester United and talking, you know, <laughs> talking to the Glazers in their suite. I've always believed this, that if Brady were serious about wanting to play somewhere else, they would not hold him up. And and it's not a Bruce Arians decision or even a Jason Light decision. That's an ownership decision. And I have examples, um, you know, in the past where, you know, the, the Bucks ownership with Rich McKay, for example, after they won a Super Bowl, they were more than halfway through the next season, and McKay got an opportunity to go to the Atlanta Falcons, a division rival Atlanta Falcons, to be general manager there, and they let him go. And he was back in Tampa a week later as a GM of the rival team in Raymond James Stadium. So I know what loyalty means to these guys. I know how, how like what gratitude is by the Glazers. If Tom Brady really wanted to leave, he would have left. And uh, no matter what B.A. or anybody else says, I think that would have been the case. And uh, the fact is is that that narrative was wrong. Um you know, does does everybody get along with everybody all the time? I mean, I don't, uh, you know, I, I disagree with my wife quite a bit, as I said on 
numerous radio shows, but I love her and I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not walking away. Uh, I think Brady feels that way about Arians. I think he feels that way about the Glazers. I think he feels that way about Jason Light and his teammates. He's invested a lot of time. I mean, he played 20 years in one place and he came to Tampa and was embraced by this organization. And those guys tried to do everything they could to meet his standard and rise to it. And they did it and won a Super Bowl in the first year. The next year, they won 14 more games and were just, you know, maybe one slip by Sean Murphy bunting or a bad coverage away from beating the Rams, hosting the 49ers in the championship, and maybe going back and winning the Super Bowl. That's how close it is in this league. So there is nothing that I've seen from Tom Brady that would indicate that he felt trapped, that, that this is what he was forced to do. Uh, this is what he wants to do, and this is where he wants to play. In some ways, it doesn't make sense, right, that he were going to go to a new team where he knows no offense, where he knows no players, or very few players, and start all over again. He just invested two seasons here and won a Super Bowl one year and got you know to within a couple seconds of going to the championship game the next year. So the success is proven here. Uh, he, he's gotten better every year with the Bucks and – I just think all that is nonsense, as is your question or comment. All right, we'll go to Tommy, who asked. Rick, with the Bucks signing Russell Gage, do you think he can be the number two receiver until Chris Godwin is ready? Well, if that's the role uh, that he has to take on, I do. Um, now, he's a different player than Chris Godwin. I mean, he's only six foot and about 184 pounds. I think Chris is probably 6'2 and, and uh, considerably over 200 pounds or so. Um, Chris is just a, 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 a innately, you know, uh, just a very physical, physical guy. He really, you know, in, in this offense, the slot receiver is, you know, the, the formations are, are tight. They don't spread people out. So your formations are real tight. And they use Godwin uh, from the slot to block down on linebackers to crack back on defensive ends or outside linebackers. So he, he has to take a lot of the physical beatings that I don't know that you would want to subject Gage to. I don't know that Gage would hold up in that sense. But if you're talking about, you know, sort of the, the targeted number two wide receiver, because obviously the, the, the passing game would run through Mike Evans, yes, I, I think Gage is more than capable. Look, um, the second half of last year, he had 50 catches. I mean, you multiply that by, by two, you're a 100-catch season, and there were 17 games a year ago, and, you know, he, he was a force. I remember that Atlanta game, um, and I think the Bucks were trailing early in that one. They won – they won like 30 to 17, um, but Gage was sort of the receiving star for them that day. So uh, he's more than capable. If that's the role that he ends up inheriting, he will do it. I think the bigger thing is like, you know, what does this do for players like Tyler Johnson? Is he going to be inspired by this, disappointed by this? Uh, you know, what, what's going to be the reaction of some of the other receivers now who have to fight for playing time? And, you know, competition makes everybody better. But you've now got three uh, very productive wide receivers uh, that have played against each other in the NFC South. And, you know, it's a good group. Um, is he Antonio Brown? No, he's not Antonio Brown. Um, but but he's, he's pretty good. And I, I like to pick up a lot. I, I, think, I think getting a guy that's played four seasons in this division, not only do you kind of weaken Atlanta – by taking him away, um, you know, so it's sort of addition by subtraction, but he's going to help you. You know, he's a pro. He's a pro. 
and he's got he's got some juice. You know, he's got some explosiveness to him, and he can get in the end zone. So I, I love I love the pickup. I think it's really good. All right, Luis tweeted us. Tyler Johnson has proven to be a dud for the Bucks so far. Do we let him go and let Cyril Grayson slot in? Johnson has dropped so many passes from Tom, and Tom said that he trusts Grayson. Well, I mean, that, that could be what happens. Um, you know, in a short span, I mean, Grayson entered this season. He'd only had one catch uh, in his career, and I think it was a touchdown. But, you know, last year, um, I think he had a total of 215 yards and two scores. Of course, the game winner that he had up against the Jets. He, he's not a young guy. He's He's been around parts of, I think, seven or eight different teams. He's in his 30s, so a little different guy than Tyler. I mean, they've invested a draft pick in Tyler, a couple years in Tyler. The disappointing thing about Johnson has been, and, you know, this happened, I think it was the start of last year. He came into camp and he wasn't in shape, you know, and that that's a tell to me. You know, like, I mean, if football is important to you, if you if you take this as your career or your job, why wouldn't you do just, you know, I tell my kids all the time this. It's like, look, there's two things you can control. Like a lot of stuff is out of your control, right? You can't control who comes in and competes against you. You can't control uh, COVID. You can't control a lot. Of, there's a lot of outside factors, right, that, that can contribute to your production or lack of production. Um, but, you know, you can control, you know, sort of, you know, your effort and and just how much you care, you know? And and what I mean by effort, I mean like physical effort. You know, you, you can run hard, run precise routes, all that. But then also kind of your give a damn, right? Like it's got to matter to you. It's attitude, effort and attitude. Those are the two things. Do you have a good attitude about work when you wake up? Do you have a good attitude about what the coaches are telling you? Are you coachable? Uh, do you have a good attitude if you don't play about your role? Will you take on that role even if it's not the one you want? And then what's your effort? Does your attitude affect your effort? I've seen guys go in a jar um, because they think they should be starting or they think they should be this or they don't. They, they got screwed here. That that's A lot of that's out of your control. But those two things, effort and attitude, and I haven't seen that from Tyler, and it's disappointing to me. You know, his attitude's been okay. I know he's not a malcontent. You know, it's, it's not like he's Antonio Brown, you know, lobbying for the ball and stuff. Um, but it could be better, too. You know, he could be on it. And I, I think your attitude affects your effort. You know, if, if, you're, if you're determined to do everything you can to prepare yourself, then you're not going to come into camp overweight. That, that's a bad attitude in my opinion, you know. And then his effort wasn't good because he's not in shape. So he's gassed and he's trying, he's trying to cut weight during training camp. That's not a good – that's not how you do it. They may have done that, you know, 50 years ago. Guys would go to training camp and get into shape, but nowadays you got to—you you can't get out of shape. You know, you got to stay in shape year-round. Um, he's going to be pushed, and sometimes competition brings out the best in you. But you know, he—he he has to fight now for playing time more than ever, because you're right. I think they like Grayson, and now they have Gage, and there's a number of receivers ahead of him, and they—they they may draft the receiver. This is not over. You know, they—they they may sign another one in free agency, but. They they're going to continue to build this position group, and you know Tyler Johnson is is starting to really fall down the down the depth chart. So uh, he is he has been disappointing. Look, he wasn't a first round pick. Um, I think he was a fourth or fifth rounder from Minnesota. He did some nice things in the Outback Bowl. He has outstanding hands. 
Uh, you mentioned the drops. He's had a few of those. Sometimes when you don't get the reps, the game reps, it's very difficult. And, and you know, during the during the week, he's on the scout team. Um, again, no excuse to drop the ball. That's your that's your number one job if you're a receiver. So hopefully this will push him. Hopefully he, he will come back uh, in the best shape of his of his career and and be prepared. But uh, it's it's certainly not a it's not a good reflection on guys like Tyler Johnson. And to some degree, I don't think Scotty Miller suffers from effort or attitude. I, I simply think that he got edged out by a better player in their opinion, which was Rashard Perriman last year. I mean they they had a bigger, fast guy. Um, who Tom liked a lot and, and kind of had inst- instant chemistry with him. And, um, you know, I, I just think that Perriman sort of took away some of those reps and then later Grayson from Scotty Miller. So we'll see how those guys come back. But, um, you know, I, I, I like the pickup of Gage. I really do. All right. Adopted Monkey tweeted us. Said it probably won't happen, but could Alex Kappa change his mind before March 16th or today? The deal isn't official until then, correct? The NFL is confusing. That is correct. It's so screwy that I have seen this happen on multiple occasions, not by the Bucks, but by other teams. So while teams during this uh, three-day, what I call negotiating period, some people call it, um, you know, some, some people call it legal tampering, but what is illegal tampering, right? That's an oxymoron, legal tampering, right? It's like jumbo shrimp. Um you know, there were a couple deals done within within seconds of that. But you can't sign a guy. So some teams will <laughs> some teams will actually on their website go. Multiple media reports say that the Bucks have reached an agreement with so and so Russell Gage, right? So they can't even announce it, even though they're the ones that actually executed the agreement. And yes, you can change your mind uh, because no one can actually sign a contract until Wednesday at four after 4 p.m. So, you know, most of these are also contingent on passing physicals and things like this. Absolutely, he could change his mind. Will he? No. I don't think so because those guys are represented by agents that have relationships with all 32 teams, and the last thing an agent wants to do is give his word that they have a deal and then the player backs out of it. That's That's not good client control right there. Before you have your player authorize you to accept the deal he's got to he's got to tell you all the ramifications now you know this is we are really accepting this this is not going to be you know a second thought um we're going forward does it happen where guys get cold feet sometimes yeah um could somebody come in and swoop in and offer monopoly money and they 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 change their mind sure um but it's not good business and i don't think it'll happen with alex kappa they'd be delighted if it did but that you know, in some ways, it's kind of even weird to pursue a guy after the point where his agent or some representative has said he's reached an agreement with another team. I think at that point, just the, you know, just sort of the, I don't know, not the ethics, I guess, uh, I suppose might be, you know, might be the word, but you, you just, you don't still want to do that. You don't want to keep, you know, hounding a guy who's, whose representative has said he has a deal with another team. Um, so... I wouldn't look for that. I don't think it's going to happen. Alex Kappa was a good player here. Small school. Uh, he goes to Cincinnati where he'll help protect Joe Burrow. They'll find another player, a guard. I think well, they may draft one at 27. As we're recording this, and we're doing this Tuesday afternoon about 420, yep. the, the Buccaneers are trading for Shaq Mason from the Patriots, a guard there. 
Oh, okay. So that's just coming across as we're recording this podcast, which is fantastic. Why now, now, so. so what do we know? What they gave up for Shaq Mason? I don't at this point yet. Okay, this is just coming across Twitter in the last uh, five to ten minutes. So, how about that? Uh, it looks like breaking uh, news. Told it's a fifth rounder. Fifth rounder for Shaq Mason. Okay. The Buccaneers assume the final two years of Shaq Mason's deal at sixteen million dollars total. Okay, so he's getting. $8 million a year. He's yep. not a bad player. That's from Mike uh, Garofalo. So. Okay, so now what that does, and I've said this, uh, I think, on this podcast before, you the way you approach free agency is, in my mind, and the way the best teams do it, I think, is it's it's obviously the, the bulk of the free agency period happens before the draft for a reason, but there can be more free agency after the draft. Other players, you know, as teams draft guys, there's going to be a secondary round of free agency in a sense where guys will get cut or uh, whatnot. But the way I approach the best teams I've covered, that the way they approached it was you, you try to build a team that if you had to play when free agency, you know, when you get to the draft, let's say before you pick the first player, could you go out and play and win a game with the team that you have on this roster? In other words, did you cover yourself? You know, um, Shaq Mason gives them an experienced veteran at $8 million a year. It's pretty good, pretty good uh, lettuce. Um, gives them an experienced guard, you know, to go with the ones that they already have, that they're bringing back. Aaron Stinney, uh, Ryan Jensen, you know, obviously Marpet is retired. Tristan Wirfs, Donovan Smith. So you could go out and play, and that might be your, that might be your starting five linemen anyway. Mm-hmm. But you could go out and play and say, we're okay. You know, we got that covered. And then if you get into the draft and the best player available, you're not beholding to a position. You're not going to reach for a guard when maybe the receiver is a better overall player. But you say, well, I didn't really, I didn't really address the guard position. It, you know, we, we, we have to take the best available at this position. And that's what you don't want to do because now you've screwed up the draft and free agency. So – you know, getting somebody in here that could play, that they have trust in, that is, you know, a veteran, uh, to line him up, you know, next next to Donovan Smith and Ryan Jensen and all those guys and Worfs, um, smart, you know, very, very smart. And, again, I have not evaluated Shaq Mason. I always question why teams would trade offensive linemen in the first place simply because there there's very few teams that have five good ones. Um, but this doesn't seem like a big compensation, you know, uh, for for a guy who has played, so you got to trust the Bucks on their evaluation. So that's uh, that's a good one. But Alex Kappa, he could technically change his mind. I think it's even less likely now that he would with Shaq Mason on the team. Well, and Shaq Mason was a former teammate of Brady, so he knows him well too. Perfect. Yeah, and and oh by the way, any chance Brady might have said, "Hey, what about my boy Shaq Mason?" Well, I'm, and I'm sure either that or if the Bucks knew he was available, they went to Brady and said, hey, what do you think of Shaq Mason? Well, what do you think of? Yeah, it could have been Jason Light, right? Because Jason Light is the GM of this team, in case you guys wonder. He truly is. But I thought it was Tom Brady. Well, a lot of people do. <laughs> well, we had another question on Kappa, and Michael had asked. Adam Schefter reported that Alex Kappa and the Bengals agreed to a contract one minute after the legal tampering period started. Do the Bucks believe the Bengals tampered with Alex Kappa? I haven't asked them what they believe um i would just say you'd have to suspend belief to think that that they hadn't spoken to his agent um prior to the quote legal tampering period right and let's not be be naive okay whether you whether you sign the guy one minute 
after the negotiation period begins or one day or three days. We know what goes on in Indianapolis, okay? It's not all steaks and cocktails. I mean, there's a lot of discussions uh, with the agents of their own free agents, the agents who represent other free agents. I mean, and that's the way the business is. You know, you could go to Alex Kappa's agent, and he may he may represent Shaq Mason. Now, that's probably not the case, but I'm just saying for an example. Um, you know, so you more than identify sort of the players like, hey, what about Cincy? What's he looking for? $10 million a year or so sound good to you? Um, but, it, but we're all naive to think that if, if this was so egregious and people wanted to accuse Cincinnati of tampering, it would probably come right back on the bucks for another player. You know, um, you don't throw the stones at the glass house. So uh, I think teams probably look away, but it is interesting that this is not the signing period, but on the negotiating day, just a minute or so after it starts at noon, um, we've got we've got Alex Kappa agreeing to a deal. It, I, I mean, it'd be virtually impossible unless they just got lucky and hit on the number. Like, eh, we were thinking four years, $10 million a year. Done. You know, that's a one-minute conversation. So not likely, um, but no one's going to do anything about it. And um, the reason why they made it the legal tampering period is that everybody would tamper anyway. You know, I mean, they, they, you would go to, okay, gentlemen, start your signing clock. It's 4 o'clock on Wednesday. Go. And then one minute later, not only would it just be an agreement, it would be an actual contract had been signed. You know, the whole thing executed, typed up, and signed. So they knew that they were tampering, and they just decided, well, let's – Let's have these these two days or three days before we get to the signing period, and, and that way they can do it out in the open. But it still happens in the dark, that's for sure. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, Brian tweeted us. said, I know it's not appropriate to say someone is a bust. However, do you see Ronald Jones meeting the, that potential or the potential that warranted him being drafted as high as he was? Well, if he hadn't had a nearly a thousand yard season, I would say so. Um, and he would have had a thousand if not for COVID. I, I think I know what what Bruce Arians and Jason Light were trying to do when they drafted Ronald. Um, actually, it might have been Dirk Cutter. I can't remember who drafted him, uh, who was a coach then, but it would have been Dirk probably. But the idea was they didn't have a lot of team speed, and. Ronald Jones was a home run hitter in college, and they really wanted that sort of explosiveness from the running back position. You know, they had had Doug Martin. They had a bunch of guys that had moved on, and they were kind of stuck with some plow horses back there. And so they wanted a big play threat. And his rookie year was a disaster. I think he had 44 yards, barely got on the field, was only like barely 20, 21 years old when he got here, really immature from a personal standpoint, overwhelmed by the playbook. And the thing is, when he was in college, you know, they didn't throw him the ball. I think he had 32 career uh, receptions, you know, and at USC. And and the thing is, he di- he didn't catch the ball naturally. They had to work on the positioning of his hands. Like that's 
that's stuff that you 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 know you normally don't expect to have to tell an NFL player. Um, that was year one, but then you know he he got better and he started understanding the game more. And you know when they would hand him the ball, he made big plays. And like I said, he ran for a thousand yards. Would have been the guy in the postseason when the Bucks made their Super Bowl run. Um, and then he got COVID you know, at the end of the year, and he missed the final two games of the regular season, and Fournette took over, and he became playoff Lenny, and, and even though Jones would get in once in a while, you know, that's the nature of football, right? The best ability is availability, and somebody took his job the way somebody always takes your job. Either, you, either you're hurt or you're not productive, but what we found out about Jones is that you couldn't hide him if Tom Brady's the quarterback. You know, Tom Brady is a pocket passer who's going to check the ball down a lot to his to his running backs and tight ends. You know, if you play deep, if you play coverage deep, he's going to throw it underneath. If you, if you move up on him, he's going to throw it over your head. You play inside leverage, he's throwing it outside. You play outside leverage, he's throwing it inside. He doesn't care who gets it, um, but that's sort of the way he attacks things, you know. And I don't know, uh, that, that bust level – that's a high standard. You know, I, I, I don't want to call Ronald Jones a bust. He couldn't pass protect, okay? That, that, they didn't trust him in pass protection with the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, would they have trusted him more if it was, I don't know, Jameis Winston? Maybe. Uh, but, you know, to have the best quarterback of all time back there, you get him hit once, and the only reason you're playing with Tom Brady is to win a Super Bowl. Your season is over. So once, you know, he could catch screen passes. He could do some of that stuff. But this failure to block um, got him out of this offense so long as number 12 was the quarterback. And I don't think – I didn't expect them to come after him. And, frankly, I don't think Jones wanted to come back after last year because he wasn't played and he was sort of humiliated by it. Again, almost a 1,000-yard rusher the year before, uh, you know, reduced to almost no, no attempts or touches at all. So uh, it takes two. Running back position is a difficult one to evaluate, but – you know, for a second-round pick, should he still be on the team? Yeah, he should. Uh, is he a bust? Eh, he had 1,000 yards one year, and then the next year uh, a better player took over in Leonard Fournette. So I, I don't know that I would call him that. I think he has to learn the game a little bit better. Uh, but there there are probably places like San Francisco and others that emphasize the run that run it 40 times a game where they're very comfortable handing it to him on first down and letting the whole league know that he's not going out for a pass. You can load up the box, you can play the run, but we're still going to run him. Um, and if he gets to the open field, he's very, very fast. So I think you'll hear from Ronald Jones. It just won't be here. All right, Ellis tweeted us, with Ryan Jensen wanting to retire a Buccaneer, is he eventually a Ring of Honor candidate? I mean, what has he had? Three good years, uh, two playoff years, a Super Bowl year. He's got three more years to prove it. There hasn't been many Pro Bowl offensive linemen in the Bucks, to be honest with you. Um, you know, they just got a bunch – He's uh, won. This past year, only have one. No, he's yeah, one. Paul, he's one. He, he, got, he was a no. Pro I know he is. Yeah. I'm saying he is. So I'm saying there not there hasn't been many. That's why you don't see many offensive linemen up there. Paul Gruber is the only offensive lineman I believe that's in the Ring of Honor. And Paul Gruber never made the Pro Bowl. Probably should have a bunch of times, but the teams he played on were so bad. But Jensen has made the Pro Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl. He's Tom Brady's center. Um, if he does this for three years and they have some more team success, it's just hard to evaluate, you know, a guy, individual guy. Uh, is he a team leader? Yeah, I guess. I mean, he sets a tone of physicality. I don't know. My standards are higher than that for Ring of Honor. Um, but, 
let's see what the next three years bring. I'm not, I'm not totally ruling it out. I just think right now the answer would be no. All right, Greg tweeted, I'd love to know what the record for home primetime games is because I can easily see four Buccaneer home primetime tilts this year. What is your prediction for that, and do, who do you think they'll play in Germany? I think they've had five in the past. Um, five home, I, he I, said home primetime tilts. Oh, home prime. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Yeah. Four home prime. Well, I mean, they got Cincinnati. Let's just look at the quarterbacks, that, and that's what I would look at is the quarterback matchups, right? That's what we love in the NFL, Okay. So you've got Joe Burrow coming to Tampa Bay to play Tom Brady. Absolute primetime game, in my opinion. Defending AFC champions, the upstart Joe Burrow, Tiger King, Joe Burrow, all that. I think I could see Burrow versus Brady. Right? It's even got alliteration to it. So that, that's perfect, right? Um, who else do you got coming here? The, the L.A. Rams. Rams, the Packers. The Chiefs. The Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers. The Chiefs and, Pat, and Patrick Mahomes. The Ravens. Yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson, sure. I think that you will probably get four home games uh, on TV. Well, don't forget your road games. You got the Cowboys and Steelers and Niners. Cowboys, Steelers, Niners, and Arizona. And Arizona, yeah. Kyler Murray, yeah. I mean, what, you're limited to six, I think, primetime games? I think it's six and then a flex game, possibly. Yeah, yeah, that one is not going to be pre-scheduled. And the one one of the the games is going to Germany, which is Yeah, the one in Germany. It could, but it also could be Kansas City. I've heard that floated. That that maybe you know you get a, you get a Mahomes Brady in Can, in uh, Germany. That would that would really stink for Tampa Bay fans. Oh, totally. Because Kansas oh, City totally. comes here once every eight years, mm-hmm. which means you haven't seen Mahomes play here yet. Right. And it'd be another eight years. Well, now with the well, you saw Mahomes. Possible, you saw Mahomes two years ago. The reason they're playing Mahomes is because they finished first in their division. Right. That's just a first place schedule. I mean, they're not playing. Um, they're not playing the AFC West, I don't believe. Oh, that's true. That that's the extra. That's at 19th game. Yeah. the Chiefs. Yeah, or right. the 17th that, game. 17th. That's game. the 17th game the that, that the game. AFC has to play in the NFC yep. city, or you know, the Bucks home game, which is now going to Germany. Um, but it would still suck for Bucks fans because anytime you get Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady, right? We've seen it twice yep. in the last two years. I mean, you, you know, they had the regular season game that's the true. year they won that's the true. Super Bowl, yep. and then the Super Bowl itself. Um, so this would be the third time that they would play Raymond James. So, yeah, that would stink if it ends up in Germany. But th- but just those quarterback, you know, there's so mm-hmm. many great quarterbacks in the AFC and so few great quarterbacks in the NFC, you know, and, and they all play each other. I mean, Stafford plays against Brady. Aaron Rodgers plays against Brady. So you got to believe, and even Kyler Murray plays against Brady. So you got to believe that, you know, with with such a limited number of NFC quarterbacks that those are going to be attractive and then when those AFC matchups come, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, five five doesn't seem impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although, six, d- if you include Germany. Depending on where Deshaun Watson ends up. If he ends up in the NFC South, one of those games could go to primetime, too. You never know. It looks like he is going to end up in the South. I mean, there's they're still the Cleveland Browns are sort of the outlier, and that would be interesting because I think the Texans would wind up with Baker Mayfield, perhaps. I don't know how Baker's going to feel about just the pursuit, really, of Deshaun Watson. But – now you've got the Atlanta Falcons are involved, and they're, they've got Matt Ryan in a big cap number that they're, they're obviously willing to unload, um, and in addition to the Saints and the Carolina Panthers. So it seems for all the world, given where, what, what region of the country that Deshaun is from, um, Carolina is where he played his college football, uh, Georgia is where he grew up, uh, and the Saints have the best football team uh, of, those, of those three. And they're not that far from his home either. So uh, it's go- I, 
I'm safe to say, yeah, three out of four chance of landing in the NFC South. Suddenly that division is not an automatic for the Buccaneers, in particular if he goes to the Saints, who have had the Bucks numbers ever since Brady got here and before. I think they've lost six or seven in a row in the regular season. So um, you add Deshaun Watson to that defense, and then all of a sudden um, you're going to have to play and win a lot of games uh, to win the NFC South. So that'll be, that'll be a uh, history changer if he winds up there. And if Baker Mayfield's traded from Cleveland, they'll have to change the security code at the stadium there. <laughs> it's number six. <laughs> What'd you say? Six. Shh. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny, man. All right, we got some more of your mailbag questions uh, we saved for tomorrow about the Lightning, Major League Baseball, all of that. So we'll get to those. Remember, 4 p.m. today is the start of the new NFL League year. There's going to be some contracts that are going to be renegotiated. The Bucks have to get under the salary cap by then. Uh, then we'll have uh, the Adam Schefter uh, sign-a-thon, where his recruiting resources this year. He goes for about an hour starting at 4 o'clock with the number of guys that sign with different teams. Um, the Rays uh, are continuing their spring training. We've got the Bolts are at Seattle. That game's at 10 p.m., so late night. The last late night with the Bolts on the West Coast is coming up uh, later tonight. So got all that to look forward to. Your mailbag questions, more of those tomorrow, more free agency for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud, the Times. Have a great day, everybody. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.